We're not going to make it to the end of the chapter, which is fine. But I wanted it read because I want to point out something. If you notice something at the very beginning of verse 1, it says after three years. We ended last week with this guy finally making a a move in the right direction with repentance. And he, he was good for three years. And then greed got him again. And I just wonder, so kind of a, a ending at the beginning, how about that? I just wonder how different the end of the chapter could have been about his son, who ended up being just as evil as he was, and following in his daddy's footsteps, if his daddy would have took those three years and turned them into something positive and stuck with it. And for us, as we get up and watch all these kids walk out of here every Sunday, which, my goodness, y'all know y'all like the verse about multiplying, so that's good stuff. But, but when you watch that as parents, as, as adults, as those who are, are members of the church, therefore you're now responsible for others in the church, whether you like it or not. Are you making sure that we're setting up their success for the future rather than a stumbling block later? You know, a minute ago, I was, I was kind of bragging on how we do finances. And I guess if you're, you're listening to that, and I didn't mean it to come, come across in an arrogant way. But if you listen to that, you may be thinking, man, he's kind of arrogant about the way they, I, I, I'm very confident in the way we handle God's stuff. And the reason I can tell you that is this. I grew up in the church, and many of you grew up in the church, and I've seen corruption in the church. And I've seen how crappy the world has handled not only God's word, but God's finances and God's practices and everything else. So when I get to see something done right, I'm proud of it. So it's not an arrogant way of what we're doing. It's a, so you could say arrogant, sure. I'm arrogant in the fact that we've surrendered over to the Lord's way and we're going to do it his way. And we do it his way. It's a good way of it getting done. All right. So I just want to make sure I, I didn't want to You think, man, he sounds more arrogant now than he did. Well, that's fine. Whatever you want to take it as. OK, <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, I'm surrendered to the Lord. You know, and, and uh, Jeremiah told me this week we were talking about, we guess you start doing something new at your shop. You know, I, I always ask questions. Can we do this? Can we do that? Like, what? Well, what's this? And we're getting questions all the time. And he goes, man, I can live anything. He goes, and then he comes back a couple hours later. He goes, I, I didn't mean that to sound like I was being arrogant. I said, no, nah, man, I tell you all the time, it's a tire. I can do it. Like you, when you've got a passion for something and you're doing it the right way, it's not arrogance. It's just confidence. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I think we ought to get a little more confident in the word of God. And maybe if we got a little more confident in the word of God, we could be some Micaiahs or Micaiah or whatever the heck you want to call his name. You know what I'm saying? Like we could be people who are standing up and speaking right at a king with the truth. Rather than surrendering and falling down because we're afraid of the outcome. You know what I'm saying? Let's jump into this thing. That, that intro just ruined my intro. But I got to do my intro because you see the title. All right, so backtrack. All right, backtrack. We've got this problem called selective hearing. Selective hearing is where we hear part of the message that we agree with and we discard anything we don't agree with. Well, we, we get it. What, 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 we've, what we've turned it into then, I guess, is, is this. We put our spin on things. Anybody watch the news anymore? <laughs> you remember when you could watch the news and, and you didn't feel so bad? The news puts their spin on things. Right? They, 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 they manipulate it, make it sound the way they, they want it to. And when we open the, the Bible to this, this last chapter, there's a lot of lesser known characters. But man, if this guy with a lesser known character, Micaiah, a prophet who stands alone in truth, while 400 other people, plus a king and plus another king, really, when we get down to it, put their spin on stuff, he's still bold enough to speak truth. 
But I don't know if that's exactly what the world is looking for. If we're honest, there was a, a job interview for, for a major marketing company. True story. They got it labeled down to, to three people. I'm, I'm reading this article in, in one of the business magazines that I, that I got and all and or at the shop. And, and, and as I'm reading it, I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, like, how, how do you get down to those three? And it doesn't it doesn't give us that. So I don't know. But but these last three, they get asked this one question. Now, you're your marketing director for a major company. Now, here's the one question. These th- these last three guys were asked that decided who got the job. What is two plus two? Now, obviously, we know the answer is four, but the, the, the guy, the, the, the board, they're wanting to see how this guy, these guys answer this. So first guy, what is two plus two? He's surprised. He looked at a guy very bluntly and just said four. Confidently, assuredly, the, the main boss, he looks at the board and all of them are just shaking their head and they, man, thanks for applying. We appreciate you making it down, but you're, you're just not what we're looking for. Guy scratches his head. He goes, man, like one question for the final, you know, how, I get it. So next guy comes into the office, you know, he leaves the room, sees that first guy leave, comes into the office and he uh, says, what is two plus two? Guy pauses for a minute. He thinks and he replies this. Statistically, it is a number between three and five. The the big boss and the, and, and the board, they look at one another and they kind of smirk a little bit and begin to shake their head and, and whatnot. And they say, well, if you wouldn't mind, you know, going out and we'll, we'll call you. Last guy comes in and he walks in. Same question. What is two plus two? This guy doesn't, doesn't pause for a moment. It says, he says, instantly looks at the panel, he looks at the boss. And he says, what do you want it to be? And he's hired instantly because that's what they want. They're wanting somebody that will give them what they want. The problem is we want to get people who will give us what we want rather than what we need sometimes. We've developed religions that give us what we want rather than what the truth is. We've manipulated and put our spin on stuff where we make a verse and we can make this and we can make that. We've even invented our own translations of scripture so that we can make it sound, put our spin on it, and make it sound like what we want it to sound like rather than what God says it is. And I got news for us, and I've used this at funerals before. We can all disagree on a lot of different things. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. It doesn't change because you don't believe it. It doesn't change because you don't like it. Truth is truth. The facts are the facts. Whatever our opinion is on this thing. So when you, you think of spin, here, here's some things that you may do in your arguments, and here's what we know news reporters and politicians do um, as they put their spin on things. Selectively representing only evidence that supports one decision, one position, one argument. Phrasing things in a way that just assumes unspoken truths. Uh, disguising the real agenda. Disguising bad news by just bathing it in good news all around it. We see this happen all the time. And the danger of spin, though, guys, is it makes an audience so content with the illusion of truth that they never seek out truth for themselves. My relationship with Christ never got truly developed until I started checking things out for myself. And I'm going to tell you right now, yours won't either. If you only get what I give you, if you only get what a Sunday school teacher gets you, if you only get what a Bible, you know, guy, study guy is going to going to give you, you will never get what God wants you to have in a relationship with him. Until you start checking it out for yourself. Investigate it. Dive deep into it. See what he's saying for you. There's a, a gentleman, David Wells. He, he wrote a book called Losing Our Virtues. And in the book, he says this. This is the first time a civilization has existed that to a significant extent does not believe in objective right or wrong. I'm talking about America. 
We don't even believe in right and wrong anymore. We don't believe what is true or, or what is false. And when you begin to not believe what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false, you are vulnerable to not only give, but to receive anybody's spin on the truth rather than accepting and calling truth what it is. Now, this is nothing new. This is exactly what takes place in in first Kings 22. And it's taking place already. So, so jump into this thing and look at it. We just now mentioned it. Verse one, I, I, I got to point out verse one, no, no big point in it. Just to want to make sure you don't skip it. I skipped it. I told Crystal as I was, this, I didn't get it till yesterday. You know, I read it. I told her I listened to it at least a dozen times. I probably read it 10 times. And, and, and I never grabbed verse one. That was three years. When I, when I read, you know, I'll, I'll read a lot of them together once and then go back and, and break them down, which I advise you to too. And, and I read 21 and 22 again. I read 21, 22 again. And I was like, man. That little knucklehead that repented last week, he jumped right back into, into mistake. No, three years. How comfortable can you get in three years? You know what I'm saying? I pointed out and I said it wasn't a point, but I guess it is a point. Sometimes the devil will let you go for a couple years before he comes back at you. Sometimes you'll think you resolved an issue and dealt with it and you didn't. Or maybe even you started to. I mean, think about it. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. Again, didn't, didn't catch it right away. He comes right back at him with the same crap he got him with last time. What was chapter 21? Greed for a, a vineyard. He wanted to turn a vineyard into a veggie garden. He had greed. He had the whole kingdom, yet he had greed for this one little plot of land that wasn't his. He repents. He gets away from the immediate punishment, which we see, obviously, by what Crystal just read, that the, the prophecy does come true in, in, in that extent. And three years go by. Three years. He's, he's probably living pretty right. Possibly. He's at least doing something better. And one day he's strolling around his little palace, probably when he got idle and comfortable. And he said, you know what? Those little punks that we beat up a couple years ago, they never gave me that land they owe me. Think about it. Now he's got a whole kingdom and he begins to focus on it. When you study it, man, it's, it's, it's actually not even a big significant piece of land. Which may, you, Do you ever notice how we make the biggest deal about the most insignificant crap in life? Right? We do it in our marriages. We do it in our relationships. We do it in our friends. We do it with our kids all the time. All the time. Such a big deal about the most minute, stupid stuff. Right. Reese cut. What? You calling me out on my confession, brother? Come on, man. <laughs> they matter most. Don't you ever. Don't you ever talk blasphemy in the house of the Lord again. <laughs> Three years, man. And he remembers this city. It, and not only. And here's the thing. <laughs> Be wary when you get a phone call from somebody you ain't talked to in a long time. And they ask him for a favor right away. Because here's the thing. Three years go by. He gets hungry for this piece of land that he was already supposed to get that he didn't get. He picks up his cell phone or shoots him a text, whatever he did, right? And he says, hey, me and you is going to be buddies, man. You won't go to war and take that piece of land back? And thankfully, thankfully, we don't ever want to get in trouble by ourselves. So there's a lesson in it. So we got a lot of lessons in the first three verses. I didn't even have any of these points down. So sermon may be 10 minutes longer. It's all right. You'll live. Right? Prompted by his own selfishness, he calls somebody to get in trouble with him. Maybe, maybe here, here, here's a point you can write down. I didn't write down. Here's, he got so focused on the gifts rather than the giver. Now, we've talked about that before, but it's easy. Because land was a gift from who? 
<laughs> the giver, God. Right? And he forgot all about the giver and started focusing on the gifts. You know, it's funny. We'll be we'll be so happy and we'll brag on God when we're we're making ends meet and paying bills and not going hungry. Even we don't understand it. And then some, something happened in our little feeble minds and we'll forget about it. And we'll just want to raise our bank accounts as high. It's like we become a game. Let's see how high we can get the bank account. Right. Churches do it all the time. Convenient since we got a, a budget meeting today. Right. Let's just see how high. I don't think God called you to get a high bank account. I think he called you to give it away. Crazy idea, right? Huh? Not, not being dumb with it either now. There's stewardship, okay? But in reality, what has God really told us to do with, with what we gave? So they fo- he focused on the gift and not the giver. Verse 4. He meets with Jehoshaphat, makes this, this reminds him of this deal. He agrees, but verse 5, somebody finally got a brain. His friend looks at him and says, how about let's seek the counsel of the Lord before we go do this thing? And here's where, where spin comes. Here's where spin comes. Because Ahab says, okay. If you need the counsel of the Lord to, to, to get this thing going, that's, that's a good idea. Maybe he's reminded of truth yet again. Now, we already know he was hard on learning lessons of truth, so he needed to be reminded 25 times. But, And here's the sad part about it. God's truth was available to the king. He had somebody who was going to come speak truth. God's truth was presented to the king. He had somebody who spoke truth. That Micaiah guy, right? He got it done. God's truth was even presented to the king to protect the king. Think about what Micaiah is telling him. Man, you're not going to make it through this battle. Don't go into it. It'd be no different than me sitting down with a friend and telling him, man, you don't need to be with that girl alone. It ain't going to work out good for you. You know, I mean, think about it. It's good advice. It's, it, it, it's, it's obvious advice. No different than you at AA meeting telling the dudes, don't go to the bar. It ain't going to be good for you. Right? Don't call. Don't even stop on the corner where you used to buy that stuff and talk to that guy. Right? I was just going to hand him a track. No, stay the heck away from him until you're ready. OK, <laughs> it's just, it's just that, that, that kind of attitude. Right. But the king and unfortunately, I think the king's people weren't ready to receive the truth. So the truth can be presented. The truth can be there. The tr- truth can either be presented to protect you. But far too often, we're not ready to receive the truth. Or maybe we say it this way. We're not re- we're not willing to receive the truth. He wasn't willing to receive the truth. Right. So what do they do? They put their spin on it. So you get two sermons in one today. I didn't charge for either one of them. So you're very lucky. So you note takers, you, I only say that because you note takers will hate this. Because you're going to have four points and four points. I don't care how you write them down. Right? They are good four points and four points. I think they're good eight points in this thing. Right? So here's number one. Number one is going to relate to spin. So if you note takers, you should write spin, one through four. And then you should write uh, character, characters of truth, one through four. All right? Just so we're all good and you know how to label your papers. Number one for spin. We spend God's truth by accepting false assurances. Think about it. We, 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 we spin on God's truth, God's word, by accepting a false insurance, especially when it regards our plans or our purpose for what we want. We disregard God's warnings, right? Go back to five and six in the chapter. King Ahab has, here, here's what, here's what you gotta make sure you understand. We do the same thing, but it's just easier to look at somebody else's life, right? Ahab has already decided what he wanted to do before he asked the Lord. Right? He's already called a friend. He's already made the battle plans. He's already got everything where he's already even told 400 prophets, so-called prophets, what he wants to do and why he wants to do it. Right? So he's already decided all this before he ever even asks and cares about what God says about it or not. He finds these 400 prophets. What I wrote down is spin doctors, 400 yes men, whatever you want to call it. Right? 
who's going to confirm his plan. Church, when you need a confirmation and you only ask people that you've already told how to answer, that, that, that's not confirmation. You know what I'm saying? Like if you only ask people who agree with you, that'd be like me jumping on Facebook and asking the Dallas Cowboy fan page, who's the greatest football team ever? Everybody on that page is going to say what? What'd you say? Go sit over there with that guy right there. Huh? Yeah, y'all just have a minute. No, he's a saint now. Don't, don't get confused. I'm just saying, y'all get, y'all get. <laughs> I do hope Joe Breeze gets him a Super Bowl so he can retire. Anyway. But, but you see what I'm saying? Like when we only ask people, it'd be go, go, go into Instagram on the Ford page and what's the greatest truck ever made? God, you people are going to hell and scary. <laughs> Think about it, though. That, that's what we do sometimes. We get people around us that are like us, and we only ask their opinion on something, and then we're like, oh, see, everybody agrees with me. We do it with music. We do it with food. We do it with everything. And then we're all like, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. No. It's not the way it's supposed to be, man. Right? It didn't matter if it was truth or, or, or not truth for Ahab and his men. Now, I had written down, have we ever met people like that? But maybe we should get more honest with ourselves and ask, have we ever done that? Have we ever been that? Have we ever figured out exactly what we think God ought to do before we even ask God what he ought to do? Right? We ever, we ever, we ever thought and, 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 and knew how we wanted God to do something before we even asked God what he's going to do? See, we take God's word when it fits us. We take God's word on forgiveness, but we don't take God's word on repentance. We, we take God's word on regarding salvation but not on dealing with certain sins if it interrupts how we like to live our lives and what we like to do and how we like to do it, right? We take God's word regarding Lord, uh, Christ's lordship over the world, but not Christ's lordship over my life, right? We'll manipulate it, make it sound any way we want to. We've got to take God's word in its entirety, not selectively picking and choosing what parts we want to follow. When you've selected and picked what you want to follow, you've created an idol. You've manipulated the word of God. All right, that brings us to point number one for our four characters of truth. I'm going to mix these two uh, sides of it, by the way, just so you know. Ahab, Ahab hated the truth. There are people in this world that hate the truth. Right? That that was Ahab. Ahab didn't even care about what the truth actually was. He's only doing this because his buddy said, hey, we should probably get the the counsel of these guys together and check stuff out. Right? what's What's he do to prove that he hates the truth? First thing he did, he decided, we just I said it, he decided what he wanted to do even before he consulted anybody. Verse three. Verse two, or, or second thing, he consulted with the prophets, only the prophets who would approve of what he wanted to do. I love his response, by the way. You gotta love honesty when honesty's there, right? I had, I had a guy come by the shop this week, last week, and he was telling me a prophecy from a prophet, but it wasn't a prophecy. He made sure to tell me like this this was what a prophet said, but it wasn't a prophecy, and I was I was so confused. I was like I don't even know like what 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 are you trying to tell me? You know, I was I was lost. Like what what is the actual belief here? And then I thought about it, I was like, well, at least it was an honest prophet. You know, at least he's flat out saying like I'm a prophet, but what I'm speaking isn't. <laughs> I don't know. It confused the snot of me, just like some of you looking at me right now, right? This guy tells me though, and here's what I mean by honesty. His friend says, hey, man, isn't there, isn't there at least like one more guy who's going to speak for God? Which we'll get to this point a little bit better, but we've got to look at it now. He says, oh, yeah. But I don't ask that guy nothing. 
He's always speaking bad about me. He's always hurting my feelings. I'd be like, be like, isn't that a good church down the road? Yeah, but I don't go there because that pastor, he's hurts my feelings. Steps on my toes every week. You know what I'm saying? It makes me want to cry. Makes me feel bad about what I'm doing in my life. Right? I was trying to drink a beer and sleep with a woman who wasn't my wife, and I got my feelings hurt about it because that guy talked about it. I mean, heaven forbid, right? This guy's honest, at least. He doesn't like that guy because that guy speaks, speaks, speaks the truth to him. Huh? That's, uh, number three. Number four. He, re- he rejected the truth when it was given to him. Number five. He sued, right, by getting rid of the messenger. Let's put this guy in jail and get rid of him for a while, right? And notice the things about these prophets since we're talking about them. Verse six. There's 400 of them. What would be Ahab's point in pointing out 400 of them? Same thing our point is sometimes. We think majority overrules truth. Majority does not overrule truth. Okay? Truth for one is all it takes. Truth is not a majority rule kind of thing. Look at how they come at him. This is a big lesson we need to remember sometimes. They come in the name of who? Yeah. They're coming in God's name. The name of Jehovah, right? The most seductive enemy you will face will come at you in the name of God. We're, we're at least hungry enough to know if somebody comes out and says, hey, man, I work for the devil. I oh, will stay away from that guy. Right? But that's not obviously going to be the way more often than not that temptation comes your way. You remember when Jesus went to the to the desert? Which, by the way, I was I was reading that this week. I don't know if you guys ever caught that. And I preached it before and not, not pointed it out. So I feel bad. But it, but it says the Lord led him to the desert. And then the devil tempted him there. I pointed out because we're, we're always talking all the time about. Oh, like if you're going through trouble, man, you just must not be living right. Well, the Lord led Jesus to the desert where he was going to be tempted. So evidently, that blows your theory right on out the water, right? So anyway, that was a free point for you too. The Lord led him to the desert where he's going to get tempted. When he gets tempted, you remember how the devil tempts him? What's the tool he uses? Scripture. He pulls out his Bible, right? And he starts quoting Scripture to him. You want to know why it's so important for you to know the Word of God? So that somebody can't take one verse and make you second guess everything you believe. But we do. We do. We'll let somebody, we'll let a politician, a news reporter, or anybody else pull out one little verse. And we'll use it to our benefit. Right? Because we don't know how to combat it. Jesus combated it with scripture. Only way to beat scripture is with scripture, right? It's taking it out of context. Here's something else about their prophecy. I don't know if you guys caught this. I thought this was kind of funny myself. So if you go to verses 6 and verses 12, look, look at their answer. Their answer is this. Go up and prosper for the Lord will give it. What is it? Is it? I don't know. Well, I'm with Charlene. Great question. What is it? I mean, I wrote down some things that could be. He's going to give what? The battle? He's going to give the city? He's going to give the army? He's going to give your life? What is he going to give it? He's as vague as he can get, man. When a prophecy comes at you and is vague, you know you're in trouble. Look, look at how it goes even further. He goes, I'm going to give it into the hand of the king. What king? He don't say I'm going to give it to the king hand of Ahab. He says, I'm going to give it to the king of Ahab. Is, is, is it Benadad? Is it Ahab? Is it Jehoshaphat? Well, who is it? Which king? He doesn't say. You ever notice when people are vague, they leave room for that double meaning? That's a when they're wrong. You can't say, oh, you were wrong, or if you do, they can say, no, you just misunderstood what I was saying. A true prophecy 
from God, at least from the word of him. There is no vagueness. Like it's direct. It's intentional. There's no guessing game, right? There's no vague word when it comes to the to the word of God. And you know it like you feel it. The, the, the truth deep down in. Right. But the word of God comes in. It's spoken by only one. A quietly mocked, oppressed, scorned one. Not the majority. But it touches this cord within this king. You notice it? Like, like think, think about the whole scene, man. The, the, the whole scene. This one guy comes in and says one thing. And this king gets in a little tissy pit over it. Right. He had 400 people speaking, speaking positive for him. And this one guy, that one guy who gets under his skin is what changes everything, right? Here, here's the second character on truth. So for your two sides, right? The prophets. What about the prophets? Well, the 400 prophets, they perverted the truth. So you can hate the truth or you can pervert the truth. Now, which one are you doing? Are you hating truth or are you perverting truth? Which way is it, right? We do this all the time. They're willing to tell the king whatever he wanted to hear to gain his favor. Why? Because they love popularity, they love peace, they love harmony, and they love all this stuff more than they love truth. And when you begin to love anything more than truth, you're willing to sacrifice anything to get that. So much for, uh, check this out, it goes even deeper. They send this messenger to go get Micaiah, and, and the whole way back, he's yapping Micaiah's ear off with what everybody's already said. I mean, think about it, this whole trip back, verse 13. Now, this is the way it's supposed to be, Micaiah. 400 people done told the king exactly what it's going to be. So you need to do it this way, too. Don't be the one that's going to come up in there and rock the boat, okay? You ever had anybody tell you that? Don't be the one to rock the boat. We, we, got, we got what we want. We don't want nothing changed, right? Some pretty cool stuff happened in Scripture when boats got rocked up. Right? Now, I'm not saying you should rock the boat for just any old reason. But I'm thinking if it's a reason worthy of rocking the boat, there's some good things that can come about when a boat gets to rocking, right? Even if it's to make you throw up to get rid of the sickness that's inside of you, huh? We go on for that, but we won't, right? Look at it, get on the bandwagon, don't rock the boat, don't make waves, right? How many preachers, teachers, believers, evangelists, missionaries, whatever, are willing to tickle itching ears for the sake of popularity, peace, harmony, crowds, and money? Now you laugh. I'll never forget being in school for ministry and hearing somebody tell me, oh, I've done this so that I can get some money. Yeah, that was my thought. What? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. You want to know why? Because they'll give an itching ear what they want to hear. What an itching ear gets, what an itching ear wants to hear. He's willing to write a check for it. We do the same things. Huh? I, I wonder what it would look like. Thank God I don't look at it, right? But I wonder what it would look like, like on a summer where everybody got their feelings hurt, how the offering numbers changed. Right? You know, we don't care about it because we don't even pass and play. Right? But I'm just saying, think about it that way. Like, I wonder if some of these guys, they, they look like, oh, you know, that's, I can't touch on that point no more. Right? So-and-so must be sleeping with so-and-so. Probably don't want to go there anymore. Right? So, and so that's what they do. I'm telling you, Timothy... Gets a warning. Young pastor, Paul's, Paul's minister, ministering to him, you know, advising him, helping him. Here's what he writes. He tells Timothy this. Uh, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom. His kingdom, by the way, not ours. Number two. Preach the word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach your ideas. Don't preach whatever's going to motivate you. Don't preach what's going to make people happy. Preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Man, those don't sound like good words all the time for sermons, do they, right? With all long-suffering and teaching, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own ideas and desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know why it's so easy to convince people with stupid lies nowadays? Because it makes people feel better. We would rather believe a lie that we know is a lie because it makes us feel better than the truth. About people, about stuff, I mean, all of it, right? I mean, take it even to the point of, you you ask a woman who's in an abusive relationship why she's willing to say, oh, he'll change, he loves me. The the idea of of something being positive and good coming later, they want to grab a hold of it, whether it's true or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, people will just grab a hold of anything because it makes them feel better. Second uh, point for for a spin section. Finally, it's all like a spin class, right? Get on your bike and get ready to go, right? We spin God's truth when we choose to close our ears to God's truth rather than opening our hearts. We just, we, just, we just shut it down, right? But think about it. Verses 7 and 8. They start out kind of smart. Jehoshaphat, he recognizes uh, that he hasn't really heard the word of the Lord. you got 400 guys who come. They're all in complete agreement, and it's all supportive of you. It's almost like they're coming wearing their, their Ahab hats and their Ahab t-shirts, you know, and they're wearing their Ahab signs. It's like they... Okay, it's clear who they support, right? Like They're not here for the Lord. They're here for, for one man, right? And, and they come in, and Jehoshaphat says, isn't there anybody else? And Ahab says, yeah, there's this one guy, but I, I kind of hate him. And you almost wonder, like, you know, verses don't give us everything, so you got to, like, fill in some gaps. I do at least, right? Be careful how you fill in gaps. It's, it's a fair warning. Right? But, but when I fill in, like, but I hate him. And, and, and Jehoshaphat's probably like, why? Is, like, he proven to be false in the past? No. Does he speak for a false god? No. Well, why don't you like him? Because every time he talks about me, it hurts my feelings. Is Ahab not the biggest bait? Y'all remember last week him pouting on the side of the bed because he didn't get his little veggie garden right away? I mean, this guy is a crybaby. Women, if you get nothing else today, find you a manly man. Now, I'm not saying he can't be in touch with his emotions at times, but for God's sake, if he's crying all the time, get rid of him. Lord have mercy. He ain't going to protect you none. Right? But look at this guy. He's not. Every time he prophesies, it's something against me. Every time he talks about me, it's something that hurts my feelings. Write this down whether you write notes or not. Maybe your desire to hear something good about yourself prevents you from hearing the truth about yourself. Maybe your desire for hearing something good about you prevents you from hearing the truth about you. Huh? Don't prejudice yourself on certain ideas. And we all do it. Don't act like we don't, right? Verse 13 through 18, after being corrupted on his trip over, Micah finally comes to Ahab. Now, you've got to picture this scene, okay? Because if you just read it, you know, when the blood written things, you're not going to get it. 13 through 18, Micah comes, Ahab and Joseph are just sitting there together, you know, and, and he's already been warned to this messenger to preach a certain way, da-da-da-da-da, right? So he says, Micah, what a... What do you think about this thing, right? What, what, what do you think should be done? Like, how should we do this? Remember, he's already been prompted to believe majority rules. Everybody's doing it and all this kind of stuff, right? So Micah says, yeah, sure. He says it just like this. You got it. Because if not, if not there'd be no reason for Ahab, who doesn't even want to hear the truth, to ask any more questions. Yeah, you can go on and 
go to war and do what all those other guys said. Right? Don't you know when like you tell your kid to apologize and they mean it and they don't mean it? It's, it's kind of like one of those tones right now that you're getting. You're like, yeah, you, you can do it with the other. I think I said it doesn't matter. You didn't really want the truth anyway because you just called me because this other guy asked. And the whole time I've been here, your little rabbit ear over here has been yapping his mouth off to tell me what I'm supposed to say when I get here anyway, right? So this is what you want. And it's almost like I don't know for sure. So I'll stand right here, right? It's almost like Ahab looks over at Jehoshaphat to see, like, is this enough? And it wasn't. That doesn't sound like a real prophecy from the Lord. So Ahab's quick goes, how many times do I got to tell you to tell me the truth? Micaiah's probably thinking, you ain't never told me to tell you the truth. What do you mean, how many times? Like, you ain't never asked for the actual truth. But Micaiah does get a little smirky, right? He goes, oh, you want the truth. Right? Well, let me tell you the truth. If you go to war... Israel and the little sheep, they're not even going to have a shepherd anymore. That's how bad it's going to be. Now, he wasn't happy with answer one, right? Because he, he at least sensed that it was some sort of a lie. I think mostly because of the sarcasm, mostly because of somebody else's opinion, right? But he at least sensed that. So then answer two, well, if you go, you're going to die very quickly and there's not even going to be anybody to guide the people any longer. What's he respond with? I told you this guy don't ever say nothing good about me, man. I told you he wasn't going to like our plan. He's whining. He's whining so much. What's he say? You know what? Take this guy and put him in jail. You put him there till I get back. And you would think like Micah would be scared. Or Micaiah would be scared. You know, those two of you would think Micaiah would be scared. Like, oh, man, I got to go to jail. Dang. Notice what the king says. He goes, you put him in jail. And he don't get out till I get back. She's like, ooh. Right? Micaiah says... Well, if you make it back, I was lying. He's flat out saying, like, I guess I'm staying in jail forever because you ain't coming back, brother. Right? <laughs> what an awesome response, man. What boldness. My goodness, if the people of God would get that kind of boldness, right? I'm going to tell you like it is, king. Oh, you're going to put me in jail? Well, I guess I'll be here forever because you ain't coming back, dog. Right? Like you finished. Like it's over. Right? <laughs> it's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Man, if we would get the boldness, verse 14 should be on the screen, maybe. I don't know. I'm so far off. I'm about to just hand out papers for everybody, right? <laughs> verse 14. My, my guy, here's it. I want you. To, I want you to live like verse 14 for real. Verse 14. I'm going to speak what the Lord tells me to speak. That's it. That is all God asks for us. He doesn't care about the results. He doesn't care about the plan afterwards. He just wants you to do what He says do. And when you do it that way, here's the cool thing. When you do it that way. The results are up to him. So if you ain't happy with the results, you can actually tell God. This is I'm, I'm not being disrespectful in any way. This is what the Lord says. You can tell him, hey, is that the way you want it to work out? But don't be surprised if God looked back and said, yeah, that's exactly how I want it to work out. I mean, can you imagine after his boldness, Micaiah sitting up in the jail for a little while? This is what you wanted, Lord? The Lord's probably like, this is exactly what I wanted. Right? You needed a break. You needed some rest. <laughs> These people needed to hear the truth, right? That's where he's at. May our testimony agree with God's word, not the statistical majority in the given time. We're so worried about the majority, man. You ever notice it's always the minority? Always. Martin Luther was asked one time, the whole world is that right? It's written. The whole world's conspiring against you because of your uncompromising commitment to God's word. What do you think about this? And, and this is his quote. Then I guess I'm against the whole world. 
Would you have the boldness to respond that way, though? And then again, like examples I use, please understand that a lot of the examples I give aren't always perfect people, but they got perfect moments. Kind of like me and you, in case you thought you were perfect, right? Ain't none of us perfect. We just got a couple perfect moments every now and then, right? Verse, yeah, if we're lucky. <laughs> Some of us only get one. Verse 15. Stands before the king. He gets this thing. The strong star guy. Verse 16. He gives this thing. New deep down it wasn't right. Verse 17. The tone changes. Verse 18. Told you he wasn't going to whine. He's whining about this thing. His response and all this stuff's going on. And here it is. Here's your big point. God's word requires not your affirmation, but your obedience. God doesn't care <laughs> that you agree with what he said and how he said it. <laughs> he cares that you obey it. You know what I'm saying? Like It's like my kids. If I tell them to do something, I don't care if you like the way I told you to do it. I want it done that way. Right? That's God sometimes with us. And, and here, here, here's where we, we, we get caught up between truth and consequences. And you can't make a guy like Ahab happy because he wasn't happy with either of the answers. Keep that in mind, right? So, so what do we do? We rationalize. Here's your definition for rationalization. Finding reasons in your mind to justify what you know is wrong in your heart. That's rationalization. You find reasons in your mind to justify what you already know is wrong in your heart. You know Ahab knew it was wrong because when he goes to battle in just a minute, he dresses up like somebody else. He's scared of one guy's opinion because he knows that one guy's opinion is the truth. But he still tries to cover it up, right? It costs too much, right? It's not worth it, right? Sounding argument, right? Not this guy, man. This guy takes all those. What's the excuses we use? I'm going to go ahead and throw some of them out there so we make sure we can convict each other, right? All my friends are doing it, right? That guy's a Christian and he's doing it. That guy's a pastor and he's doing it. Right. I'm not really hurting anybody. Right. Technically, is it really illegal? That's my favorite phrase. Is that technically illegal? Right. I don't know exactly what that means, but right. Who's God call you to compare yourself to? Who? Himself, not your little Christian friend, not a pastor, not even me. God's sake, you've really messed up. If you go home and say, well, Philip's doing it. Well, you just get yourself in a lot of trouble. Right. You better go home and say, is this what the Lord's doing? Right, is this what he's doing? Remember, even Paul, when the church does get a little wise and they start following, remember what he says? He looks back and says, yeah, you can follow me, but you can only follow me right now. There's, there's a very precise thing said there. It's about timing. You can follow me now because I follow Christ. He didn't say you can follow me because I was religious. Think about it. How many followers did he have when he was religious? He was in charge of legions. Okay, lots. But he looks at the church and says, you can follow me now because I follow Christ. So not me, not what I did, but you can follow the links of Christ, right? Third view of truth. Hope you're keeping up with all these sides, right? This one's kind of, this one's kind of weird for me. Jehoshaphat wanted truth on his side. That's the best way I can word, right? So you got a guy who hates truth, a guy who pervert, or a group of people who pervert truth. Then you got a guy who wants truth on his side. Now here's what I mean by it's the hardest and kind of weird. It's the hardest to pin down because here's what it is. This guy is smart enough to consult and consider the truth. Verses five and seven. Remember, he says, "Isn't there somebody else that can come and speak for the Lord?" Right. So that that's that's a good thing we look at. But here's the flaw in all this. Like Ahab, he had already decided what he's going to do because in verse four is when he made this agreement to work with Ahab. So he didn't pray and ask God's opinion before he made the agreement. He's already done this. Second, 
And here's the biggest thing for me. This is kind of what confirms it. You're thinking, well, how, how do you know? This is how I know. Second point will always prove how you know something, right? Second thing. He's unwilling to change his practice to conform to the truth he's heard. Right? He's made this deal with Ahab. He should have, should, have, should have prayed about it, but he didn't. He is smart enough after the deal to say, hey, ain't there somebody else that can speak for the Lord? Smart. Awesome. Make mistakes. No way, no, no, nothing better than, than trying to correct him afterwards, right? Seriously. Guy comes in and gives the word of God. Oh, thank God. Now we can repent and turn this whole thing around. Nobody has to die. Nope. Now we go to war. He wasn't willing to change his view. Was he? Now, this is tough because Jehoshaphat turns out to be like a better king than, than a lot of them. And all, 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 all the illustration, we got a lot of bad illustrations. So I guess when you're better out of all the bad, it's kind of. <laughs> Uneasy to do, right? It's like saying, I was the best kid in BR, BR, what is it called? Behavior Improvement Room, BIR. Oh, 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 you knew what it was. Good job. You spent a lot of time there, huh? Right? Huh? Oh, no, no, I've been coming up with no excuse. You spent a lot of time there. I did too. It's all right, right? It was like coming up and telling your dad, Dad, I was the best one in the Behavior Improvement Room. Yeah. I was the best guy in detention today. Great. Right? But, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Here's the thing. He's unwilling to change his practice. Despite the warning, what's he do? He still goes war with Ahab. Now, now here's where, where we get a get, get little more, more deep on information, right? He's interested in the truth if it supports him. Th- this is some of us, right? And I, and I know this because he's unwilling to change his practice, right? Too many people go to the Bible to find what they're looking for rather than to look what they can find. I think I said that right. Let me make sure. Too many people go to the Word of God trying to find what they're looking for rather than going to the Word of God to see what they can find. you imagine what you could get from the Word of God if you just went looking to see what God wanted to tell you? Huh? That's real Bible study, by the way. Right? I mean, it really is. A, 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 a real genuine servant of the Lord, it's going to change 25 times because you, you're, you're just a flawed human. Well, this whole thing changed drastically. I'll go ahead and tell you, right? That's why you got two sermons in one, right? <laughs> but but think about it. Like when you go to the Word of God trying to prove what you think, you, you're just picking and choosing stuff. And that's what we do. That's what this guy's doing. At least I think so. Because here's what we have: this this fourth character. So our last one. We'll finish that section first. Right? We got we got Micaiah, who wants truth on his side. I mean, who wants? Man, I knew I was gonna mess it up. Who wanted to be on the side of truth? Jehoshaphat wants truth on his side. Micaiah wants to be on the side of truth. You'll get that wording right because it's very important. All right. I knew I'd mess it up, but I can correct it. All right. Ahab hated truth. Prophets perverted truth. Jehoshaphat wanted truth on his side. Micaiah wanted to be on the side of truth. I got it all right. Big difference, right? It's one thing to wish to have truth on your side. It's another thing to want to be on the side of truth. What would we say in the beginning? He he was willing to speak the truth regardless of the sacrifices, the pain it caused, and the consequences, right? He was, no doubt about it. And here it is. Much is said, now Now here's here's where we can get a little real on our real life stuff. We talk all the time about preaching the truth in love, right? You ever heard people who felt convicted say that? <laughs> I point out he's used only the convicted people to say it that way. You should preach in love, brother. You know my favorite question with that? I, I, I don't have many good answers. But that one I've always got a good answer for. The love of what? Think about it. You go to talk to a brother or sister who's struggling or somebody that you're trying to guide or whatever, and they say, oh, man, you should start. Doesn't the Bible tell you to speak with love? 
The love of what? Just ask them that and see how they respond. Because I'm supposed to love the law, the Lord, His Word, more than anything else. So if I love that more than anything else, and I love people, doesn't that mean i got to tell that person the truth? Rather than trying to put a little whipped cream on trash? Right? That's what we do sometimes, though. Oh, put a little whipped cream on your poo and it'll make it look better. No, it doesn't. It still smells like poo. Right? I'm sorry for you scriptural people. Dong. Right? I can keep it religious, too. Yeah. Right? They go further into this thing and they say, man, you, you, should, you, should, preach, you should preach with love and, and all this stuff. Right? But not at the sacrifice of truth. Not at the perversion of truth. And that's what Micaiah does, man. He goes, I, I'm not going to pervert the truth. I'm going to love people by not withholding truth from. We fool ourselves when we think to do this, we got to spare the feelings of others. Because the reality is we're sparing the feelings of ourselves. We're worried they won't like us. We're worried they won't call us anymore. They won't text us anymore. I'm like, please don't let them text me anymore. Right? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right? Makai is willing to speak the truth, even though he has to pay the price. You're thinking, man, it'd be easy if, if, I, if I didn't have it. You got, you got consequences with every decision you make. This guy's got consequences. Uh, 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 Zedekiah strikes him and mocks him. So he gets popped in the mouth. He gets mocked. That's verse 24. Verse 26, 27, he gets thrown in prison. But none of it silences the message of God. The message of God's already out. you got to love that part, right? Those today who love the truth and will speak the truth regardless of the sacrifice, the pain, and the consequences, those are the ones that are willing to pay the price and speak truth forever. Think about how much he's got to love the king to do this, though. I mean, got, we've already established they got a bad relationship, right? Ahab hates him. He says that. I hate that guy. So they've already talked a couple times. Every time I call him, he gives me bad news, right? What, what if Micaiah's like, if I don't tell him the truth and he just goes to war and dies, I don't got to deal with him no more. You think that thought wasn't there? Come on, man. Once you know the truth, <laughs> the truth can set you free or somebody else free. Right? You don't both get to be free. <laughs> think about it. So he's thinking it can set me free and not him free, right? But he, his love for an unbeliever or a struggling believer, whatever you want Ahab to be. I don't know what Ahab was, okay? I, I do. If he changed God's opinion, his repentance was real. I hold to that for, for chapter 21. All right? So, so we'll, we'll leave it at that on that part. But he loves this guy so much, despite their differences and hatred and disagreement and all that kind of stuff. He tells him the truth. He goes, man, if you go to war, you're going to die, dog. Right? We've got to love people enough that we care about what's going to hurt them in the long run more than what's going to make them feel good for the immediate. Right? Could, could you imagine if somebody doesn't make it to the kingdom, right, and they got you to blame because you sugarcoated a bunch of crap for them? You put whipped cream on their poo, right? Write that down. That's a good note for you. Huh? Don't put whipped cream on poo. All right? Amen. Here we go. <laughs> I hope I can get this one right. I had to ask Crystal if it made sense. <laughs> Nobody wants to be wrong, right? We're in agreement. That. Nobody wants to be wrong. But I think a lot of folks don't want to be right either. You don't know what everybody wants. They just want to be approved. Does it make sense? You think about it? Nobody wants to be wrong. You don't really want to be right. You just want the approval of everybody. Yeah? What's your attitude toward truth? Since we just finished that portion. What's your attitude? You hate it? You pervert it? You want to be, you want it on your side or you want to be on its side? 
See, that's the difference. We try to get We do it with God. What did Jesus say? I am truth. One of his things, right? So, so if we take that, that word truth and, and, and flip it over to him, do we, do we try to get God on our side or we try to get on God's side? Which way is it? Huh? Truth is what it is, whether we believe it or not, whether we respond to it right or not. But our response makes the biggest difference for us. Number three, we spend God's truth when we try to contain it or confine it. Last two are shorter, I promise. Verse 27. Ahab, uh, he has, he has Micaiah put into prison. <laughs> Here's what I find funny. I, the guy doesn't believe or doesn't like Micaiah, right? But it's almost like by putting him in prison, he's going to stop what he prophesied about. You know, you know what is that? It's like if you don't come to church, it's going to stop what the Bible says about you. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you know, it wasn't good last night, so I guess I shouldn't go to church this morning. Do you think that changed what you did last night for being right or wrong? No. But we do this. He, I think he even gets a little further. And understand this. If, if you're a Micaiah, if you're speaking truth and you're bold, people are going to hate you for it. That's part of consequence. you got to be okay with that. You're seeking the approval of God, not the approval of man. Okay? This guy's nothing but a messenger of God, but he gets hated for it. All the anger is toward him, right? Right? So, so we just need to understand it. All because he spoke it, right? He's a mouthpiece for God. I wonder some, some, some little weird part. If he thinks like maybe Ahab could even like convince God to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like maybe Ahab would get in there and pray for me and it'll change my outcome. Right? So he's trying to use it, right? Hey, Ahab may have thought he was being judgmental, not very loving, but he was speaking truth. Sometimes you warn people about the disaster. They're not going to like what you have to say. But it's beneficial for them. Now you got to do it the right way, okay? Don't run out of here telling everybody, Pastor said I should tell you all you're going to hell. No, that's not what I said at all. Please, nobody's coming to repentance that way, okay? Huh? Here's a good way to think about it. Think about it this way. I told you guys, everything's going to be courtroom for the next three years, right? I went to court. Not really. I've been good lately. Right? <laughs> you go to a courtroom. You sit down. You watch the case. The judge, who's the final say-so, right? He says so-and-so's guilty. So you walk outside the courtroom. Somebody who didn't make it to court, they ask, hey, what did he say? What was the outcome? What happened? He's guilty. Oh, you're so unloving. I can't believe you would say that about somebody. I didn't say nothing about anybody. I said what the judge said. You understand the difference, though? I'm only repeating what the judge said. It's not me. I'm not judging. I didn't say he was guilty. I probably deserve not to get in either. Right? I probably deserve to get to the gate of the kingdom and him to say, hey, turn around, sucker. Right? I know what you did. I see what you did last night, right? <laughs> Think about it, though. When we get this idea, though, here's what helped. We're not worried about what they say about us because we're just messengers or witnesses of what we've already what we've already seen and understood. Okay, you, 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 they can't hate you for for something your opinion on what somebody else said, right? Or maybe say that their, their issue is not with you; their issue is with him. All right, a person can be so inwardly frustrated because of the truth and not being willing to to obey it that they they vent about it, and they whine about it, and they complain about it. I think this is a good thing. I'm serious. I think it's a good thing. You do marriage counseling and you strike a nerve. I'm going to strike y'all's nerve, by the way, okay? Just so you understand. All right, we're going to find out what buttons we can push. I'm serious. You, you, you want to know You want to know? I think it's a good thing? Because that means I'm getting close to the mark. Think about it. You, you start you start feeling, feeling bad about something, you're getting close to the mark. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Number four, we spend God's truth when we attempt to disguise ourselves to hide from it rather than facing it. What does he do? Verse 30. 400 people say go. One guy. 
says no. What's he do? He dresses up like a soldier. Dresses up like a soldier, disguises himself, and goes on. I, I wrote this down for, for me personally just because what we looked at a, a few weeks back with Elijah, right? The word of God haunts him. The word of God can't escape him. The word of God is a still, small voice. It's the still, small voice that gets this guy. How many still, small voices have got you? Right? But we try to cover it up. Anyway, I, I don't put on a costume. I don't try to hide. I mean, how many sins do you rename? You know, last week I made sure to use the word sin when we talked about repentance because we need to get it from God's perspective. He calls it sin. It's sin. Separation, right? What about us? We change the names of all kinds of stuff, right? We, we change the name of, of adultery and, oh, I'm just finding myself. Right? We do. Huh? Or, or we're just, God, God has called us to be one, so we need to, no, God called you to be one with somebody else. You're the one that divided it up, right? We, we, we go even deeper with, with all this stuff. Well, it's, it's not really wrong if I don't get caught. Really? Really? Well, the law doesn't say I can't do it. Or if I go over here, the law doesn't say I can't smoke this or can't drink enough of that. Well, whose law are you going by? We rename stuff all the time rather than calling it what it is. Okay? That's why we get in trouble sometimes. Look at what Luke says. Luke chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says in the book of Luke, I guess I should say. Talking about you can't hide from from whatever disguise you try to put on. Jesus said, there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light and what you have whispered in the inner room will be shouted from the housetops. I wonder how many of those little things that we thought we hid that maybe we'd even fooled ourselves into forgetting about, we're going to be held accountable for. Right? Not, not in light of you getting kicked out or anything like that. Don't be thinking that, right? But, but it's still going to suck to hear it. Somebody told me that, yeah, but there's, there's no sorrow in the kingdom, so he's not gonna, he's not gonna point that out. Well, then he points it out at the gate for you, okay? If you got that much of a, if you want to break it down the way, that's fine. At the gate, he's gonna point out all your little flaws, so you can cry at the gate, then you can walk in, so there's no more sorrow in the gate, okay? Whatever. <laughs> Y'all, we spend so much time trying to prove stuff to make us feel better, <laughs> but we totally miss what God's got for us half the time, right? Look at verse 34. I like how 34 is written. But someone drew a bow at random. The guy, the guy don't get a name, and he's just like shooting arrows in the sky. He don't even know what it's like. An untrained soldier who's got no idea what he's doing, he just randomly shoots one, and he just happens to land right between the armor and catch Ahab. What's his first thought when that happens? What? Maybe it was like Cliff. That sucks. Right. Dang it. Right. That Micaiah, he's in prison praying against me right now. <laughs> it hits the king right in between the sections of his armor. Here, here's what I like. It's a good picture. This is a good picture of what the Lord, the, the word of God does. The word of God penetrates deep in between the armor that we've tried to cover ourselves with. Think about whatever armor you put on, whatever mask you put on, whatever makeup you put on, right? Whatever it is. The word of God penetrates deep in between those things that we've tried to hide. It's the arrow of, uh, you call it the arrow of conviction, really. I mean, it started all the way back in 7 through 8, right? That they knew something wasn't right. They had an inner conviction right then and there. But they chose not to act on the truth. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to act on the truth. 
Big difference. So I guess you say, how about you? What are you doing with your inner voice, right? John chapter 14. Talking about inner conviction, inner witness of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything, Jesus, that I've said. You ever been in one of those moments where like some people say, I don't I don't like reading the Bible because I don't get nothing out of it when I'm just reading it. You'd be surprised how many seeds get planted when you're just reading it. I'm serious. Now, I'm not saying you might not get no 10 point sermon and you might not get, you know, all these notes and all this stuff. But just by reading it, you'll be amazed by how many seeds get penetrated and planted into your heart so that when something's going on, it's like, boom, you're reminded of you're like, oh, man, that's what he meant. That's what it's talking about. Right. The question is, are we willing to let the Holy Spirit penetrate our armor and guide us into truth? Are we willing to obey what we know in our heart to be true? God uses his word to penetrate. Look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and moral. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the hearts. I always just want to take out the word thoughts. I can make it my own way. <laughs> Micaiah's message, true and it's faithful. Verse 34, penetrates deep. Verse 34, despite his, his false hope, his false assurances, all this stuff, what happens? He dies. He dies. He had all these, these, these ideas about how he was going to make it. He did, set up all these little things. He disguised himself. He put the guy in prison. All that stuff, what still happens? The word of God. How many times do we try to walk through all these steps to make it fit our little night, little agenda, and what happens? The word of God. The way God said it was going to happen. The way God said it was going to work. Right? That's just how it works. In the end, one out of 400, we can say, passed the test of, of truth. One out of 400. Passed the test of truth. Even, even the rest of them were trying to put their spin on it and, and all this kind of stuff. Right? Why? Because he had a love for the word of God. He had a love for speaking for God. Listen to me. Believers are those that struggle with this. Whether we succeed or fail in bringing a person around is not our primary issue. Our primary issue is, was I faithful to doing what God told me to do? That's hard, man, because I've been there. I've been to one that I'm like, man, I failed because that person didn't surrender. I've sat with somebody on a deathbed and I didn't get that 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 confession of faith that I wanted. That was, you know, their family's last little hope and dream. I said, man, I, I failed. No, I didn't fail. I preached it like it was, and it was on him or her, whether they would or not. And don't you think it doesn't work when the, when the miracle of God is around? Because I've, I've preached with people who were on their deathbed dead, and they cut up a machine, and I watched her sit back up. 100% miracle. Nurses in the room flipped out and said, maybe we should play with you after after this too. I'm dead. That's the exact quotes that came through right there at Trident Hospital, right? That person is not living a saved life right now. Oh, it breaks my heart to say because they had the power of God all over them. And yet they've chosen to reject it. Because the power of God can be present, be present. The word of God can be present. But until you're willing to submit and obey it, it doesn't do anything. That was a sucky ending, Pastor. But it was the truth. Right? Put it this way. Spinning or... or false lies, whatever, they come and go. The word of God lasts forever. It lasts forever, man, right? Are we going to speak truth no matter what? Here's a neat thing. I was trying to ask my geologist before she became a lawyer. <laughs> Who knows what other degree's next, right? So I was quizzing that first degree on rocks. I said, hey, uh, 
the scratch test thing that I'm reading about. I was reading a little article yesterday on all that. And it was intriguing, though, because, see, they would take this very hard, usually dark-colored stone. Well, I think they called it the touchstone in the one I was reading. She called it something much more educated-sounding, but I can't say those words. So touchstone, right? And they would take, like, gold or silver, and they would, they would scratch it on it. You, you would see, uh, judge the quality of the gold, the quality of the silver. Here's what I thought was real neat, though. It said nothing about the touch. The, the test said nothing about the value of the touchstone. The test said something about the value of the gold or silver or whatever stone was being examined. Truth is our touchstone. Right? We don't lessen the value of truth by what we think of it or what we mark it with or anything else. But... When we, when you rub a man's character and he has to decide whether he's going to spin it or whether he's going to accept truth, man, it says a lot about it. When somebody's got to give you the truth rather than give you a spinned up story, how you receive it says a lot about you. So ask yourself right now, think about it. Think about it. how do you give truth? How do you receive truth? Or are you just spinning your own stuff? We got to stop the spin. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, God. God, I not only thank you for this chapter, I thank you for this whole book, Lord God. God, I thank you that, well, we're not really but halfway through the book, Lord God, because we divided it in two sections. You didn't. Uh, so, Lord, I, I thank you for the second things that we're going to dive into as well, Lord. Lord, but I pray, I pray this morning, God, as we get into this transition part of the two books, the Lord, you take this story, you take the evidence, you take your word, I pray right now, Lord God, it'd be as sharp as a doctor's scalpel. And you get serious with us right now. God, I pray that you get ready for surgery, God, to remove what needs to be removed. To point out things that need to be pointed out, Lord God. God, I pray that we will be like a good patient. One that is grateful for the truth rather than some spend up story to make us feel better. Lord, I pray that we will be bold and courageous, Lord God, like Micaiah. Lord, I pray that even when we even when we get put in our punishment, our prison with the bloody lip, the world's prison, Lord God, that we will still respond with your word. But it doesn't matter what the world thinks, what the world likes, Lord God. Your word is your word is your word. And nothing can change it. Lord, help us to develop a love for your word and for nothing else. A love for your truth. And Lord God, a love for that, Lord God, will impact the way we live every day. God, that we'll stop putting on masks and covering up things and calling and renaming stuff. And we'll call it what you call it, sin. We'll get rid of it, Lord God. We'll put into practice things that we're supposed to be putting into practice. In your great and holy name we pray. Amen.